All right, guys, welcome back. Another week of uh, recording Channel 42, guys. Welcome back, Phil, Tor. Good to see you guys again. Uh, it's been an exciting week. I know for me, I've been spending a lot of time attending the, the Cisco Live conference, which uh, was happening in, in at least in, in North America on Tuesday and Wednesday. But um, there's a lot of announcements, a lot of excitement, a lot of different activities you could participate in. So I'm really curious to hear your guys' thoughts on what you thought of Cisco Live this year. Um, so, Phil, why don't we uh, we jump right into to you and hear your thoughts. What, what do you think of Cisco Live this year? I actually love the format. I love the options of doing different time zones uh, because it was, I, if I remember correctly, it was done in U.S. time zone, EMEA time zone, and Asia-Pac time zone. So uh, I actually was sitting on a class this week learning some new stuff, and uh, I managed to attend all the sessions I wanted to as well. Some of them were late at night, and some were very early in the morning. I got up at three o'clock at one point, which was a very early morning, but I still uh, managed to attend all the sessions. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. Yeah, cool. How about you, Tor? What did you think? Yeah, I think that uh, having us uh, doing it uh, virtual uh, with the given time we have here, uh, I think it was uh, pretty successful. Um, and I, and I agree with uh, Phil. It's it's pretty convenient that we have different time zones. Uh, we can attend uh, normal work, and then we can jump in to have a session, as you said, Phil, in the middle of the night and you know, early morning, things like that. So. I think that actually that was pretty convenient. So, so did you just sign up for one specific session and follow that, or you just uh, picked the sessions that gave you the most flexibility and kind of doing two jobs during, during the day, your daytime job and then your, your Cisco live job? Uh, actually, I, I had to, to, to go into the time slot I, I, I had available and then pick something I found interesting. Um, and, and, the reality of life you 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 can't always get what you really want uh 100% so i just had to kind of go into some of the compromises and actually uh, look into some new stuff uh, i'm been uh working with 5g uh, for for some time and uh, it's good to to get to know the the technology behind that also uh, or the bits and bolts there so mm -hmm. that gave me the opportunity to to look into that for instance uh, yeah it did seem like there was a lot more emphasis on 5g every year for the past uh, few years it seems they keep adding more and more sessions on 5g was it was yeah. there anyone that uh, particularly caught your eye or that you'd you'd recommend to anybody in working in the, the 5g space or wanting um, to learn more about it yeah uh, the level I have uh, as of now, I, I wouldn't pick one specifically. And uh, um, I, I'm just uh, trying to, to catch up on the 5G. Uh, I have a, um, in my earlier life, I was uh, working with uh, radio technology, radar systems and things like that. And uh, it's kind of nice to, to dig into uh, different uh, modulation schemes than we see in native 211 and uh and and as you also kind of imply 5g would be more uh widespread and when we are talking about wireless we have to remember it's not only wi-fi so i think that's, that's a good thing and we as uh, 
while as engineers uh, need to get as much knowledge with, as we can on 5G also. I'd, I'd like yeah, to can, add something okay. to that, if, if I may. Yeah, um, go ahead. Sure. I've been doing a bit of work with SD1 stuff recently. Yeah. And the SD1 paradigm is a major shift. Instead of companies buying an MPLS link and like a frame relay link, and sorry if I'm being old <laughs> mentioning frame relay, instead of buying proprietary links, like the frame relay as a backup for MPLS or two MPLS links, what's happening more and more in our industry today is people are just buying internet links. They buy a link to the internet and using SD1 technology to optimize traffic between sites. Well, it always used to be that 4G was the emergency backup that you never wanted to kick in unless it had to because it was so expensive because you had a 4G line or a 4G modem. But once you start sending those bytes across, it mounts up very quickly and it was a last resort um, backup use. Well, 5G is promising to make 5G a network alternative, not a last resort backup. So with the SD1 world we have today, 5G is becoming more interesting and we've got public and private 5G, of course, now. And the 5G is, is really offering to become a real solution for linking sites between companies. Um, it's still in its infancy yet. I, I still don't think it's going to do away with Wi-Fi for loads of reasons. But um, 5G is changing from what we're used to in the LTE and the 4G world of having like a, a modem connecting our buildings, you know, break glass in case of emergency. 5G is becoming a real, having a real use case in our world today is what I'm finding. And I saw a lot of that at Cisco Live where Cisco is talking about networking over 5G uh, as if it's networking over Ethernet. It's the same concept. Totally agree with you there. Um, we, we see it uh, especially in outdoor environment. Uh, yes. We, yeah. And we, 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 we still use LTE, we, we will be using 5G, uh, and it's, it's in some cases it's actually superior uh, compared with what we can do with Wi-Fi. Uh, we don't need to use that many access points uh, as to, to cover a specific area. And, uh, and we have to remember that some of the, the, the nice fantastic things in modulation is actually something that is adapted in 556, um, which makes it better for us as Wi-Fi engineers also. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, I'm going to worry about someone turning a microwave oven on to, right? <laughs> exactly. It's a much cleaner airspace. Up it in is. 5G. It is, yeah. 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 And because it's licensed, it's more controlled. So uh, at least when it's licensed, it's, it's a more controlled uh, solution, yeah. Sure. Yeah, the license space is definitely uh, definitely a different uh, environment to operate in. Has uh, different rules, different considerations. Yeah. Uh, Phil, uh, just going back to the Cisco Live some of the sessions, you you mentioned that uh, you were bouncing around between different uh, time zones, catching mm -hmm. a bunch of uh, sessions. What uh, what sessions caught your eye? So I spent most of my time doing Wi-Fi six and five G, um, and I also attended a lot of the as many security ones as I could, because the good thing about 5G is you can have sites spread all over the place that are easily connectable. And the main problem with this new kind of paradigm is you've got sites all over the place that are easily breakable into. So how do we secure these sites? And I, 
I saw an awful lot of sassy, which still makes me laugh. They call it sassy because I thought it was called sace, right? But apparently not. Um, but uh, sorry, course, just to, that's uh, just S A S E, S-A-S-E, the sassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of sassy about sassy front end, the sassy back end, and 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 really, what I saw Cisco doing was giving easy security to people in without them even knowing they have it possibly for example umbrella right uh, umbrella is is just this great thing where someone in the region of i think it, I, I may get the numbers wrong but 80 percent of attacks on companies are done through the redirection of a dns or a multi-fast change in dns entry well if you limit what dns systems you go to and you filter DNS to only safe sites, you make yourself incredibly safe for the, probably the least amount of money you've ever spent on any security thing ever by just having DNS to redirection to a safe place where somebody else takes care of it for you. And the idea is, of course, there's always a possibility that something may happen, but most of the time, the DNS problems are resolved almost immediately. So having safe DNS is such a simple concept and it's so reasonably priced that I'm surprised that, that we haven't all done it before or something. And it was um, OpenDNS, I think, if I remember at all, right? OpenDNS was, was yeah. a product and Cisco have now, re- uh, they bought OpenDNS and they renamed it Umbrella and it does an awful lot more. It, it, it looks out for a malware, redirects, because uh, basically when, a, when you do a phishing attack or any kind of attack against a company, to, to arm and load and fire, the, the payload wants to go and look for a DNS entry that is probably changing rapidly based on hackers don't just set up like badhacker.com or something. So a lot of it is DNS related and the open DNS umbrella function can just kill that dead instantly, which, which I thought was very interesting. And a lot more come in from Cisco AMP as well of the umbrella. And Cisco is kind of making it so, look, you just redirect to this cloud entry and we'll keep you safe, which is, sounds too good to be true, but it's, it's really what most people need because trying to configure ICE from, the, from scratch, from the bottom up, needs an experienced engineer to, to click all the checkboxes. So anything that we can do as a service where you redirect to us and we'll keep you safe and then help you configure your end to fit with us, I think that's just a genius move. And, and I also saw stuff come out from, I think it was Aruba, Hewlett Packard, and other partners today about sassy, sassy, sassy this, sassy that. So everybody is jumping on the bandwagon of the sassy concept. Yeah, if you can knock off a lot of the low-hanging fruit um, with a very low-cost uh, solution, yes. uh, and that gets you uh, a lot of resiliency, that's uh, definitely a good approach to take. Uh, so speaking of uh, things like ICE and uh, stuff like that, uh, obviously it's it's good to get hands-on experience with those kind of products. As part of your Cisco Lab experience, did you guys attend any of the, the labs or hands-on uh, exercises that were offered through Cisco Lab? I've been scheduled. I've scheduled one for the the twelfth of April, uh, where I'll, I do a kind of a uh, hacking session uh, or attack session uh, on network, and, uh, and then switch to 
uh, how to defend again these against these uh, kind of threats or attacks. Um, and it's it's it. We don't have that much time, but it it, it actually gives you a good uh, introduction or entry into to doing this. And um, being a security guy, I, I like attending these kind of sessions. I feel so he's like a- doing classes, so <laughs> we we could attend the classes that Phil uh, are doing. But uh, well, this is actually good. Should, it's funny you should say that, talk. Because something you said is, it you know, it's it's good to understand what's going on. And the one thing that I find in any of these classes that teach you any kind of capture the flag or penetration testing is you sit there and you think, oh my gosh, it, it's that easy. Exactly. And you realize that, that yeah, how easy it is that, that you can have a firewall and uh, some kind of intrusion protection system. But if you haven't blocked this particular port, <laughs> then basically you've got a castle with a front door with a moat, but there's like, you know, a back door with a, an open door easily available. And, and that's yeah. what I think bringing awareness up with people about how sometimes totally paranoid you have to be to keep safe and how easy it is that once you see an opening, how easy it is to exploit that opening is what a lot of these um, hacking and pen testing labs can do. And, and actually, you guys made me aware there's a, there's a lot of capture the flag. Do you want to talk about that? Because uh, you were saying about it earlier, Troy and Tor, the capture the flag events that are going on. Yeah, that's one of the, I'm not sure if they've done it before, but that's one of the things that caught my attention this year uh, was uh, a bunch of capture the flag events that they're running uh, kind of in parallel with Cisco Live. And so they the, they have about, what is it, um, about six different uh, categories that they break down. So you can sign up to register for each category individually, but they have one focused on enterprise networking, uh, one on security, which I think would be very interesting. I'm, I'm hoping it's very maybe red team, blue team type uh, type focused. Uh, there's one specific to data center cloud networking, uh, one that's Meraki specific. So that's actually the, the one that I signed up for and I've been doing yeah, some I'm of the, in that one. Yeah. the preliminary work for it. There's one on DevNet, um, so some more programming focused, and then one on collaboration. And so, so right now it's just kind of in preliminary mode. So it's it's been the open for a while and it's more just to get people signed up, registered with the system, kind of understand the interface and how the different challenges will kind of play out. But it goes live starting uh, April 5th, right? And so we'll uh, we'll include links to this and we'll tweet about it uh, via, via our Twitter handle, uh, the channel 42 guys. Uh, so you have links to, to register for this. Um, but, but I think that's pretty exciting. So we open from the, the April 5th, to April 15th as a challenge uh, in, in those six different disciplines, but that was kind of neat. And so I, I thought there was, a, Cisco did a really good job of kind of expanding all the different uh, things that you could do. So not only could you just attend sessions and see some of the keynotes, participate in a lot of the DevNet labs, but there is the capture the flag competition and a bunch of other uh, social activities and, and challenges going on throughout uh, the two-day two-day conference. I just want to I just want to mention as well that you said that run in parallel with, but they're still doing this, right? They're doing this until the fifteenth of April. So don't think, oh, I missed Cisco Live. I missed it. I think you mentioned just then, Troy, that, that they start in for real on the 5th. They're running for like Correct. 10 days or something. So yes. you haven't missed yes. it. Um, what is the link? Do we have it? We can mention it. I will yeah, try to see. So it's uh, Cisco Live 2021.letsplayctf.io. Yeah. Cisco Live 2021.letsplayctf, all one word, 
www.ai.io and we we will um, we will actually put that in it should appear about now in the lower third yeah. our, <laughs> our editing team are so good at this every time we do this it appears um, so yeah it, uh, definitely definitely take a look at this and, and let us know what you think everybody yeah, and I'm curious to hear your feedback. So they, they do, when you sign up and register, they say, hey, uh, just like Fight Club, like no one no one talks about it. So they don't want you to share any any techniques and tricks that you've used to conquer any of the challenges until the contest is, is over. So it's kind of otter system based like that. I, I suppose you could get together as a team and kind of work behind the, the scenes as, as a team, but uh, one person as an individual would be registered uh, for that. So it'd be interesting to see what the challenges are. And they, they drop you hints while you go through the challenges, but it's, uh, every time you get a hint, it reduces a few points from your score. So be kind of curious to see how, how that plays out. I'm interesting. Um, I, don't without... see, I don't see any prizes winning, Troy, but it, they, they, they actually say a gamified hands-on learning experience. So it's, it's kind of like a game, right? Like Caps the Flag mm -hmm. type game. So I think it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I've earned points already from some of the preliminary challenges, but it's more just to, to get used to the system, answer a few questions about how things were configured and stuff like that. Um, but once it goes live, I think it'll be really interesting the types of questions that we, we can see. Um, other things that are happening in Cisco Live, uh, were there any announcements or you know products or, or features uh, that uh, stood out to you guys or caught anyone's eye? I heard about a new access point, and I think Sam tweeted about it yesterday, the 9124. It's an outdoor Wi-Fi 6 access point, which I thought was very interesting because 802.11ax and the functionality, outdoor rules tend to be very, very specific in a lot of areas. And I think they said that it's available in the U.S. now, but worldwide it's, it may be delayed uh, based on multiple things. But I'm um, looking forward to get more of these outdoor APs supporting yeah. AX. That would be good. Yeah, it's uh, available US and Canada. Uh, so, so North, North, uh, well, most most of uh, North America, it's uh, it's available. Uh, they're expecting uh, uh, to hit uh, the global market later. Uh, they also have three different versions of the the hardware. So, right? so there's yeah. one with the internal antennas. Uh, omnidirectional internals, uh, antennas, uh, one with internal directional antennas, and then one with external antennas. So the, there's an I, a D, and an uh, E. So yeah. uh, India, Delta, Echo. Uh, the, the Delta one, the internal directional antennas, uh, that's supposed to come the, the second half of this year to, to be before that one's available. Yeah. But I think that's interesting. That's interesting having that available. Tor, can mm -hmm. you find applications for that? Uh, certainly, uh, especially the E1 uh, with the, the option for external antennas uh, in outdoor big industrial areas. That's rather convenient. I'm looking forward to 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 play with that. I didn't actually hear about anything else coming out except Cisco Plus was announced. Um, did you hear about anything else, Troy? At all? Uh, nothing. Nothing really that uh, caught my eye per se in terms of uh, product Probably, announcements. No. Yeah. I, I thought of the a lot of the uh, the keynote presentations uh, were uh, I, I found them to be filled with a lot of uh, kind of the, the marketing buzzwords. So a lot of um, you know the delightful new features and products, <laughs> uh, a lot of emphasis on uh, democratizing IT, 
uh, and uh, be, being inclusive. Uh, I even heard a comment that uh, they made a product that made things 10 times better. Yeah, I, I survived. I think it was three quarters through Cisco Live and then somebody did mention the single pane of glass view. And I yes. was like, oh, there we go. We got there. Yeah, Because you have to have a single pane of glass somewhere, right? It's very important. Yeah. Yeah, but I, th- yeah I, I heard that it was, in several keynotes. Yeah. yeah. The the one uh, keynote I, I really enjoyed was uh, Alyssa Kaplan. Uh, so they, they brought her on to do a keynote. And for those of you uh, who, who don't know out in the, the audience there, uh, she was an uh, aerial skier from Australia. Uh, and she won gold medal in the 2002 Winter Games. Uh, one of only two gold medals that Australia has ever won, uh, I believe, in, in the winter Winter Olympics. And so she actually, she works for, for IBM, but uh, her presentation was, I, I thought, really, really inspiring. So she, she talked a lot about uh, the challenges uh, that she faced to become, uh, you know, a skier and compete at Olympic level uh, in, in a winter sport, which, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, fairly challenging for the, the Australia type environment. But, but also a lot of her presentation focused on, on setting goals and strategies to meet those goals. And so she provided a framework and a mechanism that you could access through her, her website, but it was breaking down a goal into a bunch of little uh, small segments, small little pieces, and then finding targets uh, to allow you to, to hit those individual pieces. And so as, as you keep knocking those off, you get closer yeah. and closer to your, your goal, the breaking into smaller bite-sized pieces uh, allows what, what seems like almost an impossible uh, goal uh, it makes it seem achievable and you get that reward of, of constant progress, which I think us as technical people, we can take that away that if, if we have a complicated project or a learning challenge that we wanted to pursue, break it into those smaller pieces and just keep, uh, keep eating or biting away at that um, as you work towards your goal and making little progress uh, every day. I, I thought that was really good that she had a, v- a very clear process to, to make that happen. I think that's very important because you don't you don't look at becoming a CCIE or a CWNE or, or an expert. You don't look at the mountain you have to climb. You you just got to start walking up the hill, right? And <laughs> and I think that is that is amazing because that's part of the thing we have to do when you teach people how to become a CCIE is is you keep you keep your focus on the peak, but you also look at the ground below you and take one step at a time and you have a plan to get to base camp, then you get to phase two, phase three, phase four, and you have to break it down. How do you make an elephant one bite at a time, but you don't look at the elephant as a whole, you you, you know, you plan. Um, I probably should get off the elephant eating analogy now though, but you plan it step by step, one bite at a time. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's, and hopefully that's awesome. you, you enjoy, enjoy the journey on the, on the way. Yeah. That'll be really good. And I think that's, that's very important. So I suppose if you talk to her, the journey on, how to become an Olympic gold winner. She didn't like decide, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna enter the Olympics this year and see how I can do. And oh, I got gold. That that rarely happens. There was a plan, there was a strategy, and there was practice, right? Yeah, definitely. So, so there, there are two quotes that I, I just made a, a note of while I was watching her presentation, which kind of relate to what we were just talking about here. So one was uh, she made a comment about a vision without a plan is just a wish, right? Yeah. To meet your goal, you, you need both. Yeah. Right, so you can't just say, "Hey, oh, hey, yeah. I want to, I want to devour this, this, uh, this big feast." Uh, you need, you need a plan of, of how you're going to go through that, uh, that, that, that big feasting process, um, as well as a comment about passion. And um, she tried a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different sports, and uh, you can fake a lot of passion, right? You can um, tell yourself that you're enjoying it, but in, in your heart of hearts, if you're not truly passionate about it, uh, it won't sustain you. 
yeah. right? So if, if you want to compete and succeed at the highest level, you know, so at the Olympic level, for example, or, you know, the, the most uh, technical discipline you can, can think of at the top levels of, of engineering and in innovation, uh, you, you need the true passion uh, that, that fuels and keeps you, you going from day to day. And, and by setting those, uh, aligning that passion with those, the step-by-step -step, uh, plans of how you can achieve that goal, that's what sets you up for success. So I, I thought that was a really uh, great keynote for us. <laughs> Excuse me. I actually like um, listen to Elon Musk sometimes, some of the things he talks about. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he said, when are you going to go to um, to Mars, Elon? You know, he's like, Eventually, but let's get the rocket working first. Let's get the rocket to take off and land first. And we'll cross, then we'll fix the next problem. And, and, yeah. and I think he has a great attitude. And the people that work for him have a great attitude. Because, you, you know, they, they launched a rocket from a remote-controlled drone ship in the Atlantic or the Pacific somewhere. And the rocket went up, and it came back down and landed on the ship. And if you think about the, the lines of code and the time and the failures they had, it reminds me of a great saying, I believe, by Edison. So, you know, he said he invented the light bulb on his 10,000th attempt. And they said, mm -hmm. do you think that's a waste of time? And he was like, well, no, I know 9,999 ways not to make a light bulb. And that's the attitude you have to have, right, in, in this situation. If you want to be an Olympic gold medal winner or a true expert in your chosen industry. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're getting close to the, the end of uh, time here for the podcast. Um, we'll just do a, a quick roundup here just on any last thoughts that anyone has about uh, Cisco Live. Uh, we'll start with the, you, Phil. Uh, if you just want to give us just uh, any final comments on uh, your thoughts about Cisco Live this year. Well, I, I thought it was unique because they brought together they brought together a lot of people. There was a lot of diversity I saw. There was one point where there was an English girl speaking, introducing the coming segment. Then there was an Australian gentleman. Then there was a, a lady from, I think she's from Japan or, or somewhere. And so they brought in a lot of different introducers to the, the, the same recordings that was being played, but the way they tuned it for the, the audience and they managed to get one Cisco Live covering the whole world, basically. It was a global event, which I think we may see more of, fine-tuned for the local audience as well. I just thought that was clever, the way they brought it together. And, and it was pretty seamless. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I actually thought it was a nice touch. I watched Train. Train were like, basically there was a, I'm, I'm sat here watching Train and I'm not paying attention to the music. I'm paying attention that it's a guy sitting in his living room that looks like my living room. The guy's like a superstar and, you know, he's got a sofa and, uh, oh, that's a pretty picture behind him. And I just realized that when you see megastars and superstars at home, uh, surely it's probably a bigger, more expensive house than I live in, but it's the same stuff. We're all just people and we're all working from home trying to make the world a better place, I thought. And I really enjoyed seeing the little snippets of the bands, Pentatonix, um, uh, BB. I also, I, I didn't know who, who BB was until I heard the song. I mean, oh, I recognize the song now, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought it was great that they interspersed. And there's only like 10, 10, 20, 30 minutes here and there. And it's, oh, instead of having like the band that they have at Cisco Live on the final night, um, instead of having several bands turn up, they had like little snippets of music. And I thought that, I thought it was very well done and interspersed. And also the fact that there's more technical stuff still happening after mm -hmm. Cisco Live, uh, I thought that was a good way of doing things. Mm -hmm. 
Cool, cool. How about you, Tor? What about uh, any takeaway thoughts? Yeah, uh, one of the things that I've seen is that even though we have been forced to to participate on a virtual uh, event, uh, the format is actually well laid out. Uh, uh, I think it's 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 something we we will benefit from going forward. So we'll probably have more virtual events where we have uh, the option to. As I said, I, I, I can choose my time when I go in uh, if, because we have a global event that spans several time zones. I can go in and pick the sessions that I uh, like and have the time to attend on uh, outside my normal working hours. Um, the, 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 the fact that we have the hands-on labs capture the flag after a uh, Cisco Live session um, if, if I compare it with the, with the live event or the in-person event, um, I, I will be pretty focused on the lab session I have here, whereas uh, on the live event, it's busy. I'm not saying that I would not go for the live event. I would actually prefer that. Um, but it is a busy week uh, where we kind of get exhausted where uh, because we are stretching it out on the virtual event, uh, we kind of uh, can focus better on, on the particular lab and some that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I, I've seen this session or this event as uh, that one of many ways to do it. And I do hope that we will have these virtual events combined with uh, in-person events because I would not uh, I, I would be unhappy if we didn't get any uh, physical events or in-person events in the future so that's yeah, my I, take on it yeah yeah I, I agree with you I, I think um, live is my preference as well I, I look forward to getting back to the, the live conferences but one of the things that um, I have really found about Cisco Lives that is that the 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 conference itself has grown so so huge and there's so many different uh, pieces and components of it going all on in parallel. Like you could spend the entire conference in the world of solutions, for example, or you could spend it in the DevNet Labs, or now that they've added uh, the capture to flag, like you you could sync your whole conference in there, and um, by giving you the option now, and, and hopefully they, they keep this going down uh, the road as well, uh, having the ability to to engage in some of those those activities and challenges uh, once the conference ends, but but is still part of the, the whole conference experience. I think that adds a lot more value to it, and it, it extends uh, the atmosphere of the conference uh, more than just you know the, the two days that we just had, or you know maybe the, the whole week uh, that we've seen in the, the past for the Cisco Lab conference. So I, I think it's I, I'm hoping down the road that they maintain the hybrid. Of, uh, of live and virtual uh, and running those uh, all together. I wanted to get my Cisco Live hat in. Ah, perfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah, try. So what do you think from... about uh, Cisco Live? Tell us your thoughts as well, please. Yeah, so I... I thought it was interesting that uh, they had a bunch of the, the keynote uh, sessions. Uh, some of them, I, I thought there was um, just a lot of, uh, of, of marketing, right? Uh, so I, I didn't find a lot of value uh, to it. A lot of, um, of buzzwords, marketing type uh, buzzwords repeated over and over and over. 
Um, whereas more of the, um, the, the technical contents uh, and the, the capture the flag things, uh, the, the challenges that, that I mentioned that are opening up on April 5th, uh, that's more of uh, the excitements and, and uh, the values that um, I'm seeing it as a takeaway of. I'm, I'm also, um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the, the value of the, the, uh, the, the fee for the conference. So there was an explore only pass which was uh, no cost, as well as an all-access pass that, uh, had you could argue, is a, a nominal fee, a relatively small fee compared to what a traditional full conference uh, fee would be. But I'm, I'm just still trying to wrap my head around if there was th the value that I got out of paying that fee versus just the, the Explorer pass. I, I, there were six streams. If you, if you paid, yes. you, only got all, you got all six. If you didn't pay, you just got the left-hand two, I believe. So there was... There was a lot of sessions I attended that that I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't get the the more more expensive pass. So, but but I, I know what you're saying. There was a lot of marketing, and there's always going to be when you go to a, a vendor's conference. They're always going to tell you how good they're doing. That, that's expected, right? Mm -hmm. but, um, I wonder if maybe the idea of doing the like yourself. I'm more interested in the technical details. You know, I don't want to know about the new feature on the Catalyst Nexus 9000. I want you to do the talk through of how the packet goes through the Catalyst 9000 with all the different um, ASICs and, and caches and things. And that's what I want to see. But that's not for everybody. So I wonder, because we're more technical, maybe this this next 10 days might be more um, exciting for us because it's where we can choose our technical details and and be more specific about the things we want to see about. Because I think a, a lot of the talks that I attended were, like you said, were, was like a marketing type aimed at a, a management team of why, you're the slides on why you should choose this option over other options or as a vendor. And yes, I, I did see that. And there wasn't that much technical meat in a lot of the ones I attended. But I'm hoping that, you know, like the capture the flag and the other things we coming out now, will give me that that um, that requirement, I suppose, is the right word. Yeah, maybe, we'll see. Yeah, time will tell. Yeah. Okay, guys, uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for, for joining us for a chat this week. Uh, and so again, this has been a uh, video podcast from the Channel 42 guys. Uh, everyone uh, take care and enjoy the, the, the rest of your day. I'm Troy Martin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Troy Mart. Uh, the handle Troy Mark and uh, our co-host uh, Phil Morgan. How can uh, people reach out and get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter at, at CCIE5224. It's me. All right. And cool. Thanks, Phil. And Tor Olson, how can uh, people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at Twitter um, at the handle at 2RN1. So it's 2 Romeo November and the number one. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Thanks, guys. See you next time. See you. See you guys.